America for 300 years has been the land of promise for the rest of the world. The land of new frontiers, new opportunities. Yeah, we spent 10 years to get up. Clicking sounds, sounds that reveal the presence of radioactive rain. The instrument, a Geiger counter, is converting radioactivity into sounds we can hear. Welcome to Tank Ryan. We're here today from Madison, Wisconsin, just a few inches away from our old all-time snowfall record. Oh, geez. <laughs> we are recording today from the Tank Riot Igloo. <laughs> so today I'm with Sputnik. Good day. Victor. Hello. And I'm Tor. And our topic today is Nikolai Tesla. Or Nikola Tesla. I just call him Nick. Nick Tesla. <laughs> Nick sure. Tesla. All right. From from down, from around the corner. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's not the famous one we're gonna talk about. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're right. I I heard today that we have seventy three inches of snowfall so far. Which is, is the record is like seventy six or something like that. So yeah. and we got plenty of snow days left, eh? Oh, jeez, yeah. so, it kept coming down. Oh, it looks like snow yeah. again. Uh-huh. I literally have no place to put it anymore. <laughs> I mean, I have to reach up and and like put it, place it now. Yeah, me too. I pull it out of the driveway. It's just like you back up, uh, bang the snowbank across the street, and bang the one in front of you. You just work your car around. Oh God, get up. the mailman. You know they got those little shit boxes, and this poor guy was. Just Trying to get up and down our street, and the snow is just—I mean, he literally said, "Yeah, I think my arm grew three inches the last couple of days." Oh man! Well, enough, enough Scotty Nation weather talk. Yeah. Uh, so, Tesla—not the rock band, not the big hair band that we all we all know, but the really smart guy that figured out a whole bunch of stuff that allows us to record podcasts absolutely yeah. start our cars uh-huh uh fluorescent lights yeah x-ray radiation radio <laughs> yeah radio yeah it was yeah. not marconi <laughs> i know that was a lie <laughs> yeah so nikola tesla is uh from serbia he's born in serbia uh what was 1856 no he was born in croatia and he's an ethnic serb isn't it yeah, Smil. I I'm not uh, Croatian, but Smiljan, Croatia, Krajina, military frontier. If you want military frontier, yeah. yeah. Is that is that a post office box? You know they don't really uh, say. <laughs> yeah, any map you make of that area changes every. <laughs> That's right. Twenty thirty years. Been invaded before. Sure exactly. It'll be invaded again. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> he's a he's a very accomplished, you know, uh, uh, electrical engineer. Uh, he. Didn't ever graduate though. Um, no, he lived in what Gospic, mm-hmm. um, in starting about 1862, and he went to the Austrian Polytechnic in Graz um, till about 1875. Yeah, and his his dad passed away, and then you know he had to drop out in his sophomore year. But 
you know, he was he was just a naturally talented guy. Although I found this interesting that he he was a mechanical engineer, not an electrical engineer. Right, right. At first, yeah, yeah, yeah. He had. Well, yeah, he kind of invented most electrical stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, but I, that's what I'm saying. Is I, I mean, the guy was just a great engineer, regardless yeah. of you know, just he was an idea man. Yeah, they say uh-huh. that he had a photographic memory, and he was what what's called a synesthete, a person who can experience a visual memory auditorily or mm-hmm. um an, an it's a very strange type of you know semi disorder but the ability to visualize in right. in a great um photographic kind of way and uh and that's a lot of his inspirations came to him like completely packaged like the right. uh the idea for the polyphasic motor just right. came to him and he had to stop in a park and draw it all out in its entirety before he could move on and then figure it out what it was all about right. and then built it as seen <laughs> exactly. as wow. seen in my dream yeah, so <laughs> we are really talking about a genius of a character oh yeah i mean this wasn't just a regular hard-working sure. guy um and he also he learned um to speak five languages like you know pretty early in his life and right you know definitely a polyglot and as an american i can say that that's just incredible <laughs> I have very little <laughs> grasp of my own native tongue. Yeah. Therefore, <laughs> I can relate to that. Yeah, it's uh, but yeah, he talking's he, hard. He also suffered from these breakdowns early on, yeah. where he would just you know kind of fall apart, and uh, you know emotionally, the the death of his father affected him greatly. Right. And then um, in uh, eighteen seventy eight, he left Graz and broke off. You know, all his his family. Everyone thought he was dead. Uh, he basically just disappeared, <laughs> and he lived in Slovenia. Uh, That's where I go when I disappear. Yeah, and then he attended the University of Prague until uh, 1880, and he never—I don't know that he actually graduated. I think he only uh, what lasted one term. I mean, obviously, there, there's there's a lot of dispute about a lot of these early facts of his life because right. it's not— there, there aren't really clear records. There's well, this one great rumor about his birth that he was born at the stroke of midnight while the lightning struck in a storm right. outside. I'm yeah. like, okay, you're laying it on a little thick there, 1800s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a little heavy. Well, he did. He did have um, a couple of nervous breakdowns. Although, you know, all the biggies had that. Um, in the 19th century, they often referred to it as like brain fever or a breakdown or some sort of malady or anything. Like Darwin had it. Freud had it. And a lot of times it was just, you know, these people were very obsessive and very driven. Yeah. You know, when they had a vision of how something should be and they're working out every detail and it's, you know, sometimes you just kind of do break down a little bit, but it's not necessarily a uh, a psychotic break or right. anything. It's yeah. just more or less exhaustion. Right? I think Nikola, Nikola Tesla, from all the readings and things that I've seen and heard about him, falls into some things that you could, if if you were around today as an inventor, might be a classical case of an OCD type A personality. Right. But, you know, they didn't have those terminologies back then. And he lived his life and he was a very eclectic kind of individual. And Mm -hmm. he liked to keep himself incredibly clean. And he he didn't like things like hair. (laughs) He didn't like hair, jewelry. And he just liked to, to keep himself pretty separate from other people. And... Well, right, kind of like you may may have been able to get along with Howard Hughes. <laughs> Wonder if he met ever met Howard Hughes. You know, <laughs> that is an interesting question because yeah. I think yeah. that is a possibility. But yeah, and yeah. Vic, that could be a movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> Howie and Nick, the untold story. But Tesla's story really didn't get interesting until he, he kept moving and working his way on uh, towards America, where he eventually settled and lived out right. most of his life. Um, in 1881, he moved on uh, to Hungary mm-hmm. um, and lived in uh, Budapest. Budapest. <laughs> and he worked he worked at the National Tele- Telephone Company there. Um, in 1881, he was the chief electrician for the company and then became the engineer of their first telephone system. It's kind of weird to think of an American telephone company being in Europe at that period <laughs> of time. It just it just seems like, oh, my God, what, do we already have AT&T even yeah. then? Well, they think yeah, that that's well, when he made his first big invention, the, uh, the loudspeaker. Oh. Which is actually part of the, um, the way to... Uh, work a telephone repeater or an amplifier so there's some dispute Uh about there wasn't proper patent filing and so he he may have been the inventor of the loudspeaker yeah it may have been some people are saying it may have been the first loudspeaker yeah well you know honestly we could do a whole podcast just about patents at that period of time yeah there's a lot of a lot of dispute dispute and money could mm-hmm. buy you the rights to something, even though you had no right to it. And at those all. patents did expire Which, quite quickly in the early yes. days of, and that's why we're in the whole copyright conundrum of right. eternal copyright that we're in right now. Yeah. Which yeah. I might uh, also tell everyone is the reason why we're not going to be featuring any music by the band Tesla in this podcast because of the horrible uh, tightrope act of uh, macabre lengths I'd have to go through to license. A crazy metal band song from 1992 called uh, Edison's Medicine, which I really wanted to play. <laughs> so we probably won't be hearing that at the end unless the litigation goes through. Uh, That's right. No, unless, the, <laughs> bummer. unless the chords break it's up. highly unlikely, let me say, but it's 99 cents at iTunes. Anyway, <laughs> he moved to Paris in uh, 1882 to work as an engineer for Continental Edison Company. Con Ed. So this is where <laughs> Thomas Edison, dun dun dun, yes, makes his first appearance. And and let's let's be clear with our our listeners right now. Tank Wright considers Thomas Alva Edison to be a huge douchebag. Douchebag in the highest degree. <laughs> and we will we will give you supporting evidence as to why we think Thomas Edison is a huge douchebag. We prefer to podcast in the dark. <laughs> We're using our X-ray vision goggles developed by Tesla to read this. Uh, but Thomas Thomas Edison had a, a large uh, a large rivalry with Tesla eventually. But in the beginning, uh, Tesla started out working for Con Ed. He in France, yeah, in France at first. Uh, but then his mother died in 1892, and you know, there's this dramatic story that he made it just to her deathbed. Um, as she died, and that yeah. led him into another uh, breakdown. Breakdown. Yeah. Um, and it was in uh, 1884 that he finally moved uh, to New York City. And he didn't really have a job when he moved. He just brought with him a letter of recommendation from uh, Charles Batchelor, who was the manager from uh, that that Con Ed job. And the letter there uh, said, and this is quoted all over. Um, Charles Batchelor wrote. I know two great men, and you are one of them. The other is this young man, um, addressed to Thomas Edison. You know, I mean, come on. <laughs> That's a pretty yeah. good recommendation. Yeah, it's exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's gold. It appealed to Edison's ego. Yeah. And... yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, no doubt. 
Uh-huh. It's a build-up, yet an ass kiss. Uh-huh. Wow. <laughs> Two great tastes that taste great together. You're fabulous. <laughs> and I'm fabulous, too. Let's be fabulous together. So, so that's when uh, Tesla was hired to work for Edison Machine Works um, in New York. So he started doing electrical engineering and then quickly uh, moved up in the ranks until he was supposed to redesign the inefficient motors and generators um, for Edison. And this is where things get a little bit the dicey. The DC current. But, uh, and there's no written documentation about this, but Tesla had said it uh, numerous times that um, Edison had offered him a great big giant sum of money. 50 grand. 50 grand. Uh, and 50 grand nowadays, they, they equate that to millions or a million. Oh, yeah. So it would have been everything. And he, he quotes and says that he worked till, you know, t- two, three in the morning and got up at five and started working again. He put everything into uh, right. fixing these motors for Edison. And when he approached Edison and, and had actually done the job, uh, Edison told him, Tesla, you don't understand our American humor and then oh. didn't pay him the money. So they really, Tesla was furious and demanded, I don't know if it happened in the same uh, quite short of time, but he demanded a raise from, he was making something about $18 uh, to $25 a day, or per week, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, to per week. <laughs> Inflation. Like, oh. oh my God. So here's Nikola Tesla, it's a great engineer, He's making tw- he, he wants to make $25 a week, and Edison says no. So he uh, storms out and walks away from Thomas Edison, uh, only to work uh, digging ditches for Thomas Edison. Yeah, for Con Ed. <laughs> for Con Ed. I mean, he oh. He took a common laborer job. Yeah. <laughs> I need a big glass of water to wash down my irony pill. <laughs> <laughs> he, he didn't make the brightest decisions all the time. Money, he was not a money man. No, he, I think he, we yeah. say that about Tesla. <laughs> I think that's probably his, uh-huh. his greatest fault is that he never cared about his own personal finances enough no. throughout his you know entire life. And what he would do sometimes, like at this point, would save up all the money working as a laborer so that he could then go ahead and finance his scientific endeavors rather than securing, and he eventually did secure a lot of patents, but rather than focusing on securing and profiting off the patents to work on more patents and more, you know, right. in the very Edison way, uh, he ended up always kind of, Poor, cash poor, and, and right. in need of investors. Money was a means to an end, and right. and that was it completely. Everything else, no, not right. thinking about it so much. So, and that haunted him, you know, to his last days. Right. So let's talk about the ACDC yeah. War of the Currents, which Ooh. pretty much started at this point because Tesla then started working with Westinghouse and um, mm-hmm. started developing his alternating current system. Right, the polyphase uh, system against the DC current system, mm-hmm. and with direct current, you need to have very close proximity or incredibly thick copper wiring to travel any amount of distance. Right, and then you have to have power stations spread out equally throughout all these distances in order to make, get the power anywhere. Right, but with alternating current and with Tesla's design, you could. Uh, send things to uh, the power lines and, and transformers and then drop the power wattage down at the user end level oh, and yeah. it could travel these great distances. So it was a almost obviously superior uh, system of generating power. But since Thomas Edison was so far ahead 
in the development of these DC systems, he invested a lot into discrediting and destroying basically any use of the alternating current system. Right. It was it was supposed yeah. to be unsafe. That direct current was you know completely safe and and uh, but yeah, again, it had no distance whatsoever. The the um, system of alternating current with brushless motors and you know. Uh, <clears throat> magnetic induction and electromagnetic induction and so forth that Tesla built, uh, oh my God, you know, like 130 years ago are now still almost unchanged and still in use today. I mean, you know, how power yeah. is generated from your substation, your power plant, how it goes through the transformers, how it's the step down transformers. Guy pretty much came up with the whole system. Right. And yep. with the Westinghouse Corporation, he had founded Tesla Electric Light Manufacturing in about 1886, and he had done some work with X-ray tubing in between and, and started to work with X-ray tubing. But then he, he eventually got the— uh, And that was three years before Rotogen. Right, right. And he— had, had supposedly— discovered the x-ray yeah but not to sidetrack wow. when you hear him talking in, in his his diaries about the discoveries of x-rays and he's <clears throat> he's wondering how his hand got burned you know and right he's talking yeah. about well it was probably the ions you know the ozone right. that did it he and didn't it's like, quite get it no it's like oh these guys yeah. are playing with things they don't really quite fully comprehend oh yeah tesla, tesla yeah. did that constantly through his career i mean it's, he's the kind of guy that would try to make a better toaster and end up with warp drive or it's, something <laughs> it's a wonder that he survived as long as he did playing with fire the way he was i mean he right. was really playing with i mean it's, it's no wonder he didn't you know get cancer from all the x-rays he exposed oh, himself no doubt. to well i see but i think that's one of the interesting things about tesla though is that it's not just that he's this genius scientist and that he's he created so many things that have impact and continue to impact our lives, but just that he's so little known. And he was, yes, he was eccentric and so forth, but he has this almost cultish, almost semi mystical following because, you know, the guy would discover these things and really almost like not see the significance of them at all because he was thinking about, no, what I'm trying to do is this. And then someone would come along later and go, you know, that stuff that Nick Tesla did. I was just thinking, you know, if you did that, you yeah. know, and of course they get the credit for it, but yeah, yeah. If, if it know. could have worked out that 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 Tesla could have worked with Edison a little bit, yeah, better between the personalities, yeah. or yeah, if, Tes if Tesla could have worked with Edison's financing, and if everyone was happy, I mean, that's right. Who but knows I mean, what? He, but, yes. So, so there was give and take there because you know Tesla was fairly eccentric himself, and and. Um, we can never discount the douchery of of Thomas Alva Edison either. Right. So here's a couple and, examples. And the, well, the, 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 <laughs> sometimes the stress of the situation can lead to solutions too. It's, right. So it's hard to know which circumstance would have led to the most inventions. So during the War of the Currents, uh, Thomas Edison did a campaign everywhere. Every time that he found someone had died uh, due to an electrical shock caused by alternating current power, right. he would make sure the press heard about it. He would make sure that any injury or death was ever it would get a lot of large publicity. Right, like and, like Hearst did about uh, and in uh, Onslinger did about marijuana after you know in the twenties and thirties. Right, and so forth. same same thing. And then he also hired his henchmen, as I like to call them, <laughs> to travel around the country. Um, in these huge demonstrations of the dangers of electrical uh, AC power um, to uh, go around the country uh, electrocuting dogs and cats, yeah. cattle, horses, 
and uh, killing them um, in these public displays of the dangers of right. alternating current. Now, it's true that a lower level of alternating current is dangerous for a human being because right. of the voltage and uh, defibrillation. Exactly. It's the voltage that'll kill you, not yeah, the amperage. It'll, it'll, or, yeah. Your heart will get confused and you'll go into defib and then you'll... You'll die from it. But right. a high voltage of DC is just as dangerous as a high voltage of AC. God, yes. So, I mean, the, the, it wasn't that DC was any safer. He was just making all the money off DC. So the greatest example of the uh, executions of animals was one of the very first films ever made was the filming uh, uh, called Electrocuting an Elephant by Thomas Edison, where poor Topsy the Circus Elephant. Topsy! <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, Topsy, how we loved and missed you. <laughs> Topsy was born in 1875. Oh. And Topsy was an elephant at the Four Paw Circus at Coney Island in the Luna Park. And she killed uh, three uh, men in, uh, uh, I don't know, they didn't all happen at the same time, but one was a, an abusive trainer who tried to feed her a lit cigarette, so Topsy <laughs> killed him. Good job, right. Topsy. 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 Anti-smoking. Way to yeah. go, Topsy. So they, they were going to try to... Um, Kill Topsy by hanging, but the society hanging. How in the hell do you hang an elephant? And I don't know what idiot <laughs> thought of that. I mean, That's maybe they didn't go to rope. physics. Jesus Christ! Nah, good idea. Why don't we hang the elephant? Hmm? So, oh. so, so the Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals protested other ways, oh. and then Edison suggested electrocution with alternating current. So to reinforce the execution of the animal, Thomas Edison fed Topsy the elephant carrots laced with 460 grams of potassium cyanide <laughs> before the current uh, was sent uh, in, into the elephant. So she was dead within seconds, and the event you know, was witnessed by a bunch of people, but it's also all over the internet right now. So you can go to YouTube. You can go anywhere. You can go to Tank Riot if we can bear to post it and watch the uh. one of the earliest films ever. <laughs> Cryptically is Thomas Edison uh, in January 4th, 1903, killing Topsy the Elephant. Oh, my God. I mean, you know, no, no, listeners, if that doesn't prove the douchery of Thomas A. Edison, I don't know what does. That's pretty bad. Yeah. I mean, seriously, that's just wrong and evil. But since we're on the, since we're on the Thomas Edison uh, thing for just a second here, this also happened, I believe, in uh, two, uh, 1903. Um, it has nothing to do with Nikola Tesla, but for any right. of you science fiction buffs out there, one of the very first films, and I do not speak French, but The Voyage to the Moon, Le Voyage dans la Lune, by <laughs> I can't pronounce his name, George Millet, um, famous director. This is the this is the early film where you see the rocket poke the moon in the eye yes. as it's oh. landing on the moon. Oh, I remember that. And then and all the guys and you know all the astronauts come yeah. jumping out and they're all wearing top hats yeah. and tails and everything. <laughs> oh, that's great. This guy was a really great, you know, director, very inventive French director, mm -hmm. and he'd done hundreds of these kinds of films. Sadly, most of them were melted down to become boots in World War 1, so we lost most of his <sighs> films. Um but, uh, War is hell, people. <laughs> Get over it. It's so, ugly. So in 1902, he basically spent all his money making this film in France, right. and he decided to bring it to America. And what, what his goal was was take this film and, and display it all around American theaters and make his money back for all the money he put into it sure. for costumes and all the all the special effects <laughs> that he put into it. Such as they were. We're not talking LucasArts here, yeah. people. 
But uh, you might remember this style from an old Smashing Pumpkins video that totally kind of redid it. Yes, yes. Well, Thomas Edison got a hold of the print. Before he got over, Thomas Edison got a copy of the print. Mm -hmm. And as the first pirate in the uh, movie history of movies, Thomas Edison had his men make copies of the film, distributed it throughout America, to all the movie houses, took all the profits, and didn't give anything back to the director. Wow. Oh, man. And when I read that, I was like, you're kidding me. What a <laughs> Absolutely kidding me. Wow. And it actually bankrupted the director as well. So he, he eventually <sighs> went on to work in a toy store. Oh, oh! <laughs> so uh, dig, better than uh, better Topsy. than digging ditches. He did better yeah, than Topsy and for, Tesla. For God, man. <laughs> yeah. So hey, man, you mess with Thomas Edison. Oh no, you're, you're playing with fire. But <laughs> I would put forth a conspiracy theory here because it was well known that Tesla was an animal lover, well, you know, a big time oh, yeah. animal lover, and he often, um, he he would uh, would often talk about a childhood cat that he had, the magnificent macaque. That's right. You know, and I think Edison probably knew that, and I think like the whole idea <laughs> of like sh- you know electrocuting animals was kind of this. Just to- you know, drive them nuts. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Another thing that he did is that uh, Thomas Edison developed the electric chair using alternating current, and then filmed it. You know, you would with think, his you would movie think we camera. were making yeah. this up. <laughs> you think we were making this up? Uh-huh. I don't like that, Thomas Edison. Let me make something else up. He did. No, he did. Yes, they filmed the first execution by electric chair using alternating current, and Thomas Edison tried to promote the executionee as being Westinghouse. Westinghouse, oh, <laughs> because, nice. because Tesla worked for the Westinghouse, sure, yeah, uh, corporation, and it was Westinghouse that wanted to build the AC right. system, but so it, it took was, three yeah. times yeah. to do it. So Westing, I believe it was Westinghouse who was quoted about the execution. He said they would have done better with an axe. <laughs> oh, <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> you know, Florida still uses the electric chair, or as they refer to it lovingly, as old Sparky. Sparky, Sparky. oh, yeah. Yeah, so there's another. That's why that we have the electric chair, <laughs> Thomas nice. Edison. Oh God! <laughs> and you know, and later in life, he 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 and Henry Ford were in like Ford's Vagabonds, where they'd like be running around, chopping down trees and riding around in Fords and camping and everything. And yeah. of course, we all know what a you know Nazi freak Henry Ford was. Yeah. Well, so, again, well, I think, you know, a douche is associating with yeah. douches. So let's get back to the good news. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> in 18- I got to get off of this. No, no. In 1891, during the uh, Nikola Tesla War of the Currents with Thomas Edison, he became a naturalized American citizen. Yeah. So this was when he was 30, uh, 35 years old. Um, he became an American citizen. And then in, when he was 36, a year later, he really uh, finalized his polyphase power system and, and got the patents granted for that. And then they approached the World's Fair in a bid against Thomas Edison to provide power for the World's Fair at the World's uh, Columbian Exposition in yes. Chicago. And Westinghouse and Tesla underbid Edison uh, by about half, and they got the bid to provide power for the World's Fair for 1893. So they were very excited about this. And then uh, because all light bulbs and the patents were developed by Thomas Edison for, I believe, the single part light bulb, Thomas Edison refused to supply them with any light bulbs for the 1893 World's Fair. Yeah. 
So and and refused to allow them to use that patent for any light bulbs for that fair. So Westinghouse and Tesla had to figure out a different way, a different type of light bulb that would get around the patent and then develop and build thousands of them in order to provide light for the World's Fair, which they did. Wow. <laughs> oh, man. What, what kind of light was that, Victor? I, I don't know. It was a two or three part light bulb um, that... Oh, wasn't it? The, it was the fluorescent light, was it not? Well, he, he did develop the fluorescent lighting later, but no, I oh, believe it was, it was the okay. two part... Uh, bulb that he created. Yeah, the that's right. He's also he's all Nikola Tesla is also the bringer of neon. Yes. So yeah. we and have, also we have too, that to give for him. Uh Scotty Nation trivia there. Um in our uh glorious state capital, we have Miss Forward, who was uh first unveiled and built for the Columbia Exposition. Ah, cool. there we go. There we go. Yeah. So that exposition right. was a great success. It really convinced wow. the public in 1893 that AC power was wonderful. And and there's descriptions about the whole night lighting up, and there's drawings of you know all the light bulbs going oh, off. Oh, yeah. So it, it apparently was a very beautiful thing. Now, if we were going to go back in time, that would be a fun World's Fair to go oh to. Oh, my gosh. That would yes. be a place to go. Yeah. That would be a place to yeah. go. Yeah. And, and, and they also, I, I remember reading other articles about it where they would have – uh, foods and entertainment from other nations, and Turkey was there, and you could actually smoke hash. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, at the Columbian Exposition, and just look at the lights. <laughs> <laughs> and why not? I say. And there was a there was a part with uh, Tesla and uh, an obscure document that supposedly Tesla had written to get some percent of royalties for the mm-hmm. AC power that. Because uh, Westinghouse, and this was between Westinghouse and uh, Tesla, uh, but because Westinghouse and Edison had pretty much bankrupted each other in this war right. of the currents by like 1897, it's purported that uh, Tesla ripped up the agreement. Right. And according to the Westinghouse company that survives to this day, there a document does exist, but it's unsigned. So there is there is some document that that said they would give him royalties, but they never did. And it was completely unsigned. So Westinghouse, and this is probably one of his biggest failures as a businessman, because mm-hmm. had he had he at least signed something that said, you know, you're off the hook for now, but eventually you're going to pay me, then he would have been set for life. Oh, because it was worth millions, millions. And I think they ended up, yeah. you know, paying him some pittance. And, and he has huh. also said that he was worried about bankrupting Westinghouse, but right. you know, with this contract, so they could have been altruistic on his part as well. He, and and I think that has to be emphasized in the underline too is that Tesla was a very, um, very gracious, very mannerly person, and so I mean that would have probably just violated his personal right. integrity to have right. you know done something. So he wasn't like a company man per se, right. but. So, not a real good fit for a capitalist society, perhaps. No, <laughs> no, not really. He wasn't. <laughs> but it was a year later that Tesla unveiled one of my favorite things. He'd done a lot of work with radio, and he'd done all the patenting with radio. And and uh, in uh, I think it was 1897, he did a demonstration of the very first radio-controlled boat. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and I love that. Uh, so he has the patent for bringing us radio controlled vehicles. 
Right. But I mean, um, and, you know, like modulation generation of long waves yep. and everything. And he did this two full years <laughs> before Marconi. Well, it wasn't even until 1960 <laughs> that anyone even wanted a remote control car. You know, right. like no yeah. one knew he what just, to He thought it up. He thought up and no one knew what to think of it. At the demonstration, here he's standing by the water and he's got this little boat going around and doing right. whatever he says. <laughs> and people made him wow. take the boat out of the water and open it. To prove there wasn't a little man in there. Right. <laughs> moving the right. magic, Mr. Tesla. <laughs> so they would ask it questions and it would blink the appropriate response. Oh my God. Which would be Tesla flashing the answer at them and they would think it was magically calculating oh. the. So, I mean, this guy was ahead of wow. his time. People didn't know what to think of him. Way ahead. So he, th- you know, he demonstrated as a U.S. military boat because he was one of those, uh, you know, peace loving inventors. Um, I would compare him to Einstein in that way of wanting to invent oh, yeah. to avoid war, which is completely undoable. How oh, yeah. can yeah. you invent a war machine and claim it's going to stop war? I guess I'm just not there yet. <laughs> well, you know, that that was a fairly common yeah. you know view. But I mean, mm-hmm. what I thought was interesting is that is in 1894, Tesla, with the Tesla coil generated a million volts got 16 foot discharges right off off that coil i mean that's amazing and he used to wear these cork shoes around and bring people (laughs) into his his (laughs) office and show them and that he was getting zapped and it wasn't hurting him or anything i hope it's not raining out because i got a tesla coil on (laughs) oh and then of course the very next year they built the hydroelectric plant at Niagara Falls, right? For which he they built a statue in front of, uh, you know, which is still there and so forth. Because I mean, my God, hydroelectric power, AC current. I mean, therefore, putting the whole argument about DC versus AC down once and for all. Yeah, right. And you know, they they had never had that much power, no, um, ever. Uh, and Tesla was the only person on the entire crew who said for certain it was going to work. Everyone was really yeah. worried that this wasn't going to work. <laughs> but that was another thing that, that they said came to him as one of those visions of a dream that he wanted to do, the hydroelectric uh, power. And it seems so obvious. It does. And yet, you know, no one was thinking no, that no. way except yeah. for Tesla. So. so when they fired it up, they ran power straight to Buffalo uh, Right as a demonstration. Wow. And those people need power because they're under probably more snow than we are, and that's hard to believe this <laughs> yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. But we're not going to go without down that road. So the Buffalo Bills would not have a night game if it wasn't for <laughs> Nikola <laughs> That Tesla. is very true. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, you know, the, using Niagara Falls to generate power, that, that had to be like close to magic back then. Yeah, he was very proud of that accomplishment. That was something that was one of his great accomplishments. Absolutely. And he, and he um, I mean, besides his, his financial problems, he also had problems with... Um, uh, the patents, you know, because he would, it was all a matter of timing and persistence and money and influence and everything. And, and he had filed for a basic radio patent in 1897, but of course, um, Marconi, Marconi got one that instead and won the Nobel prize years later, which really, you know, upset Tesla greatly because honest to God, the man came up with it first. Mm Mm-hmm. And he did, and eventually uh, the Supreme Court came down in his favor. After 29 uh, years yeah, yeah. 
of um, litigation. Yeah. So so it was a long, hard fight. You know, he had several instances like that where he was up against a major corporation, and because he couldn't litigate his patent against all the lawyers of a major corporation, right. he just couldn't fight it. And right. you know, truth is outed now that he was right all the time, and you know, these patents were really his. Um, but but he still was always cash poor. And uh, was it in 1899 that he moved to Colorado Springs? Yes. And that was another great phase of his life. Um, the big it, wireless transmission of power. Yeah, and this is where I think he really makes his turning point from from genius to this this kind of mad scientist character. The mad scientist, the <laughs> mystic. The mystic, right. Yeah. Have, any, um, have either of you guys seen the movie The Prestige? I have not. Me neither. Okay. It's an okay movie starring Wolverine. Um, Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> what is his name? The actor. Um, I forget his name. Oh. Yeah, I, I know who you mean. This was directed by uh, Christopher Nolan, who did Memento, and he also Ooh. did Batman Begins, oh. and it also stars the star of Batman Begins. I know this. <laughs> Uh, Christian Bale. Poor Heath Ledger. So, yeah, Christian Bale is in uh, this movie called The Prestige about two magicians at the turn oh. of the century. It takes place in about 1899. Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thank oh, you. Got it. So, Hugh Jackman and uh, Christian Bale play these two magicians in a feud against each other to be the best magician. Well, Tesla shows up as a character in this film, and uh, he's played by David Bowie. Yeah. Nice. 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 And it was well done. It was well done. <laughs> they, 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 but they meet him in Colorado Springs, uh-huh. um, or at least a couple of characters meet him in Colorado Springs. And this is where he built his, you know, shack up on the hill right. and provided power to the city of Colorado Springs and did all his experiments up on the mountain with his wanting to create wireless power. Um, and the prestige is a completely fictionalized history. It's very out there, and it's it's almost it's just a silly movie. I kind of enjoyed it, but yeah, um, it was just kind of fun to see a character of Tesla that in modern media with a director I love, who's also going to direct uh, the Dark Knight, the next Batman no, movie oh, as well. Very good with the wow. uh, recently deceased Heath Ledger, right? Or Nick Drake, as I like to call him. Nick <laughs> Drake. I overmedicated. I don't know what I was thinking. Yeah, poor Heath Ledger. We'll miss yeah. him, but he pulled a Nick Drake on me. That's right. And and there is evidence yeah. that uh, there were uh, relations with uh, an Olsen twin. One, if not more, of the Olsen twins. Oh, that doesn't kill you. I don't know what. Well, wow. you know, I would. You know, it, it, I would be so in a shame spiral. That would kill me alone. Is that like touched by an Olsen? Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, later this month on Hallmark. <laughs> Touched by an Olsen. I'll always remember him for the the Knight's Tale, though. I mean, that is. Oh my God, you love it because of the Queen soundtrack. Don't lie. Oh my God, there's a Queen soundtrack. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Oh, I have to watch that movie now. I haven't seen that. It's a fun movie. Does it have Princess of the Universe? Because that's why I like Flash Gordon (laughs) and Highlander. Man, just throw Queen on any old action movie. I'll like it. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. Doesn't Jackie Chan need a movie with a Queen soundtrack? <laughs> he should have. Work yeah. that out. Stop doing Rush Hour Part 27. Because <laughs> I got to tell you, Rush 3, I got 10 minutes into the DVD, turned it off. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I said I said no. I think I walked within 10 feet jam. of the DVD and turned it off. <laughs> but I will recommend this. Dexter. Showtime season oh, one. I've heard good things about that. Big thumbs up. And right. Elizabeth, the Golden Age. I loved it because 
of the frippery. <laughs> Hmm. But I digress. I'm enjoying Torchwood yeah. on BBC America since there's a writer's strike, by the way. Okay. It's not a bad not a bad little sci-fi show. Torchwood? But, yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I'm more of a Doctor Who man. It, it's like Doctor Who. No, I've seen Torchwood. Yeah, yeah. It, it's but, got I that mean, same British sens sensibility. And, yeah. And, and the bisexual leader of the Torchwood team is just hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, like, it's like a strange version of Firefly in a oh. Doctor Who unit. It's like oh. Firefly meets Doctor Who. River is now on the Sarah Connor Chronicles. I know, I know. I know. It's not not that great, but yeah, you know, there you are. Yeah, all right. So well, anyway, well, well, Tina, uh, <laughs> Torch, jump of... in here. Bring us back to point. Didn't Tesla pa develop the Terminator? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't he develop? Well, Skynet? He, he, he was into robotics, <laughs> but to, but to tie Tesla to tie pop culture back to Tesla, uh, I mean, there actually is a whole ton of stuff, and I'm not going to mention it all. Uh, but uh, he was mentioned in H.G. Wells' book in, from 1901, The First Men in the Moon. Uh, cool. To Mars with Tesla or The Mystery of the Hidden World by J. Weldon Cobb, also 1901. Uh, there's just, I, you know, I got a big list here of all kinds of different things. Uh, but, uh, well, see, that's why people really, really liked him. Y yeah, yeah. He, yeah. he was a big thinker. He was a big thinker. I mean, but you know, he died. I guess. I guess Video the, games the, thing, the thing about Tesla that always made a huge impression on me is how he died because it was so sad and it was so tragic. Um, yeah. You know, he was he was completely penniless, and um, you know, he died in in 1943, and um, you know, I mean, obviously the you know World War II was at its height, probably at its most uh, you know grinding, really in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, he's 87 years old. He dies in his hotel room. Um, his only friends are really like these pigeons that he keeps. And um, he keeps mm -hmm. talking about this one white pigeon, which dies. And then he just kind of feels like, well, okay, my life has come full circle. And, you know, it's all kind of over. But it, it's amazing that there are so many people that, that really recognize what his contributions are. And... um like I say, he almost has this new age mystic well, cult kind of following too, because a, of you a, know a lot of that cult following thing started in Colorado Springs. Yeah, when he was up there on the mountain developing the large, that's where he built the largest Tesla coil he'd ever built. Right, and he he had a little globe above his hut, and he at one point put the power out in the entire town because he was running <laughs> so much power, uh, sparking up power in the air, trying to develop this wireless power system, and he did transmit. Uh, power to remote light bulbs, far away light banks uh, by these high frequency resonance, which was what he was really getting into. But he took it a big step further and thought that if he built a giant tower of power, he could power the entire world. So he wasn't thinking in small baby steps no. like, well, let's just put a power bank here and then one ten uh -huh. feet away and see if we can, you know, do this in a rational right. way. He was let's let's build the monument and then we'll we'll do it. And that is a little bit mad scientisty. But to take it a step further, while he was in Colorado Springs, he was listening for frequencies and resonance, and he heard the eight you know hertz sound of the Earth or whatever, which mm -hmm. was actually you know a reflection of the ionosphere, which right. has been calculated that there is a there is a frequency to the Earth itself or to our ionosphere. But he, he heard noises from space, and he reported them, 
and he reported that he was maybe being communicated with from Mars or Venus mm -hmm. and that it might have been alien intelligence. So right there, <laughs> he started to look like a crackpot because he's willing to make these allegations. Well, he he's right. He probably was hearing some interstellar noise background radiation yeah background radio waves he's probably the it. first person hearing it because yeah. scientists hear it all the time right now but exactly. in the day right. you start talking about little green men contacting you and they start thinking right. you're totally crazy and he was also he also felt that he could develop wireless power into wireless communication into wireless mental communication and right very, very visionary, but probably beyond his grasp because he yeah. spent the latter part of his life between 1899 and 1943, you know, when he had money because it didn't last very long because no. he he was forced out of Colorado Springs um, after 1900. He lost his funding and then moved on to uh, by J.P. Morgan, who is probably right. J.P. Morgan, probably the largest American douche ever produced. <laughs> But uh, but he he went on to yeah. Wardenclyffe Tower facility, um, and that was the big Wardenclyffe Tower was his you know giant tower of power where he wasn't really telling investors what he was building. No, they thought they thought uh, it was for uh, transatlantic communications. No, right, it was for because <laughs> Marconi was doing all these radio power. experiments and getting all the glory and and right. and uh -huh. and Tesla was didn't even, Tesla could have done transatlantic. Radio, no yeah. problem. He already he, figured that out. Tesla already, probably yeah. would have came up with FM. He figured yeah. it out. He filed. <laughs> he filed the patent, and then he moved on to developing what he thought was going to save the world. And and right. so Marconi was doing all this stuff with his patents and and doing radio communications, doing the first transatlantic. But Tesla was already moved on to this wireless power thing. And and when he kept needing more money and it kept falling apart, eventually he lost his funding for it. And without funding, a guy like Tesla really can't. That's be right. as grandiose as his vision. He's like a Da Vinci. He needs a patron. Right. Mm -hmm. They called it uh, newspapers when it was finally torn down uh, during World War One for scrap. They call it Tesla's million dollar folly. So the the tower uh, was torn but... down, and and Tesla uh, in nineteen oh six, Marconi uh, got the patent, and then it was reacquired later. But if if you extrapolate that technology to today, and there's already talk of building, you know, gigantic solar arrays in Earth's exactly. orbit and beaming the energy back down to Earth. That's right. That's what he was trying to do. I mean, it's the just man he didn't was so far ahead of his time. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Right. Yeah. right. I mean, frankly, the 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 technology just wasn't up to his own abilities. Well, his mm -hmm. his final idea, which was probably a grasp for some kind of money, because. He was completely destitute, and this is another thing that gets him into the realm. He was a bit of a mystic, and he did believe yes. that we could telepathically communicate eventually and that, that we would be able to develop these things with the help of— Because the brain is electric. And, right. Yeah. But but he was he was trying to sell to all the different countries uh, at the beginning of World War II was starting to fire up this uh, strategic defense initiative of a death ray. And it doesn't get more mad scientist than trying to sell a death ray. <laughs> That's right. But, I mean... <laughs> he called it the peace ray. <laughs> peace ray. <laughs> but uh, if I were Dr. Evil, I'd call yeah. it... Mm, <laughs> <laughs> a One death million ray. dollars. <laughs> uh -huh. Was this the, the particle beam stuff he right, was doing? Right, right. So it was yeah. a particle beam. The teleforce. Yeah, the teleforce particle beam. He also had a wall of light 
that he was working on as well. So he had these grand ideas in his head that he wanted to develop. He tried to sell the death ray or peace ray to America. We weren't biting, and then America, or then England, and he he shopped it around really, uh, except to the Axis powers. But he even tried to right. sell it to his own uh, country as protection against invasion, and no one was really buying it. Well, at, on his death. Um, he he refused to distribute any information about this um, in, unless he had a deal with, with one of these nations and no one would make a deal with him. So on his death, when he actually died, the FBI raided his lab. And even though he was a naturalized American citizen, it was the alien uh, task force. I forget what they're yeah, called. Yeah, uh, alien sedition. Yeah. 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 Not outer space alien but <laughs> no no uh, uh, like like the, non- the palmer raid kind of people yeah alien yeah. property custodian office right so yeah. so they raided they his office and tracked down the foreigners and uh there, there's <laughs> there's rumors because it was uh j edgar hoover declared the case most secret um <laughs> there were rumors that uh he had developed a death ray and, and this just adds to his legend that you know he'd actually developed the death That's ray right. and and uh allows people to take him as this crazy guy who was able to come up with these really genius ideas. This is a great story. I mean, you got this guy intertwined with Edison, J.P. Morgan, George (laughs) Westinghouse, and Mark Twain. Mark Twain. Oh, that was my favorite part. Mark Twain and him were huge friends. Huge friends. And I I loved hearing that Mark Twain was hanging out with Nikola Tesla. No kidding. What was a night like with these two guys? (laughs) Uh It had to have been a pretty fun night. Oh my God, yes. Again, if we had a time machine, (laughs) where would you go? Oh, that's right. Probably go and lend it to Tesla. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, really? Oh, you did that? Well, you know what? If you did this, it would go a little bit faster. Yeah. Oh, my God. You're right. <laughs> well, if you have some ideas or some opinions about Nikola Tesla, please share them with us at um, feedback at tankriot.com. Um, if you have some opinions, pro or con, about the douchery of, of Thomas Edison, please also share that with us at Feedback. You know, I know someone who has some ideas about the douchery of Thomas Edison. Oh, who's that? Nikola Tesla. Go! Ooh. When Thomas Edison died, uh, years before Tesla died, here's what Nikola Tesla had to say. Oh. The day after... He had no hobby, cared for no sort of amusement of any kind, and lived in utter disregard of the most elementary rules of hygiene. His method was inefficient in the extreme, for an immense ground had to be covered to get anything at all unless blind chance intervened, and at first I was almost a sorry witness of his doings, knowing that just a little theory and calculation would have saved him 90% of the labor. But he had a veritable contempt for book learning and mathematical knowledge, trusting himself entirely to his inventor's instinct and practical American sense. Oh, no. snap. Oh, no, you did. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess he gets the last word. There you and, go. And Edison did say on his deathbed, his biggest mistake uh, was in trying to develop direct current rather than the vastly superior alternating current, current system that Tesla put within his grasp. <laughs> Ooh, face, Tom. Yeah. Face. And then on another eerie death note of Thomas Edison on his deathbed, Henry Ford encouraged him to breathe his last dying breath into a vacuum tube and seal it. So after Thomas Edison uh, died, they found the pieces of the vacuum tube sealed by his deathbed. 
That's just weird. And that oh. vacuum tube of supposedly Thomas Edison's last breath yeah. is in the, I think, Ford Museum. Oh, my wow. God. <laughs> of, of racial purity. So, hey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kind of sounds sort of not Nazi occult kind yeah, of. There's, yeah, yeah, there's, there's, yeah. If if, if like you plug it in or something, yeah. that he'll be reborn. I, I might, know. I might just have to go to that museum <laughs> with uh-huh. my hammer. Yeah, that's, <laughs> <laughs> we must find that transistor and destroy we must it. Find <laughs> oh, would it be a transistor? Possi- no. Possibly a trioid. That's right. Yeah, a vacuum tube, a big glowing yeah. thing. Uh, 19, yeah. uh, uh, sorry, year 2000, PBS did a great documentary on Tesla called Master of Lightning. Yes. Other than that, they're really, they're, you know, there's a few plays as well, but I can't think of a, a biography. Uh, um, we can provide, uh, tankriot.com can provide you with some websites, very good websites, where you can find out much more about the life and times of Nikola Tesla, including the uh, Tesla Institute which is pretty much covers all things Tesla, including how to build a Tesla coil, which we here at Tank Riot are going to do. We're going to get far away from the computers and figure out a way to do it. Yeah. Actually, Sputnik is going to get closer to the computers and then fire it off. Yeah, it, it, Just not my computer. Just because far away I from, have to. Far away from some computers and closer to others. Well, but. let's just say that... I will build a computer and use it like Edison used a dog for AC current with his <laughs> Tesla coil. That will be our film, which we can archive on the on the we'll interweb. Archive that on the interwebs. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a plan. It's not a dump truck. <laughs> well, thank you, and good night, and enjoy your light. This is episode forty-six. You're right. Hey, I got it. All right. Tankriot.com. Check it out. Human Torch wants a house loan.